0: reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think we ought to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed, overwhelmed, beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he'll rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety.
1: Thank you
2: very much, Val. Well, friends, it's lovely to see you. And uh, if you're new or visiting, my name's Mark. I'm a senior pastor here. It's great to be with you. If I could just give a, a little um, uh, flag up. If you have never been to a welcome supper, we really want to invite you to come tomorrow. up in the balcony room Um, as people join the church it's really important to know the story of the church what we're about, what we hold dear what we think is really important uh, as a church family and so uh, we encourage people to come it's at that place, that supper that we share our key values and our our key pointers uh, in life so tomorrow night 7.30 in the balcony room if you would like to come to that Just please speak to Richard or Chris or Lindsay who've been up here or myself afterwards. We'd love to sign you up um, tomorrow night. We guarantee it finishes at 9.30. Those of you who've been before will be able to give testimony to that at 9.30. We stop whatever, wherever we are so that people know that they can get back home because it's a Monday evening. So please do um, come along to that. Well, just the other day I was up in town. I seem to be going up there quite a lot at the moment for different things. I was, I, I was with Lindsay yesterday, actually. we, we, we went, went out shopping and I, I was just out shopping and, and uh, we were getting something we needed to get and we were standing in this clothes shop and just this little thought came through my mind. Oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be at St Paul's Cathedral today. And I said to Lindsay, I'm supposed to be at St Paul's Cathedral. She said, oh why aren't you there? I said, well I'm shopping here. So, so, but I've been going up quite a lot and I was going up the other day that's got nothing to do today. But I was going up the other day, and as I was coming going into town, I got off at the station, and um, the escalator wasn't working. And there's a group of people at the bottom of the escalator talking to the man who was at the bottom saying, it's not working. And there were a lot of people just sort of traipsing up the still escalator, which have quite big steps, don't they, when you have to climb them. You think, they're big steps, aren't they? But these people at the bottom, you know, you know what it's like. Even when you, even when you just can get on the escalator and you all move quite quickly, there's still quite a crowd, isn't there? But when the escalator's not working, there's an even bigger crowd. And so you're sort of wandering through this crowd, aren't you? Thinking we'll get through in a minute, you know. And oh, the escalator's not working. Everybody's saying, "Oh, the escalator's not working." <laughs> there's crowds all gathering around this this nice station man, and and there's a group of them saying, "Well, when's the escalator going to be working again?" And they're standing at the bottom of their bed and going, when's the escalator going to be working? And I'm thinking, poor man, how's he supposed to know? He, he's not an escalator man, he's just an officer, uh, you know, he's a station man. He probably got no idea when the escalator's going to be working again. He was going, well, I'm terribly sorry, I don't know. And they go, well, we need it to work on, the... climb the stairs, you know. That's what we used to do, isn't it? We used to walk up the stairs. And so I stepped out and... And uh, walked up the stairs. In fact, I didn't walk up the stairs. I ran up the stairs. Thought I'd be a bit fitter and a bit hotter by the time I got to the top. But, you know, that sort of attitude. Anybody else do that? you do that? You run up the stairs if you can. Yeah, that's a good thing. No. Some of you know. Okay. But this, this is my question. What is your attitude when a hurdle presents itself? What is your presenting attitude? What's your default attitude? What do we slip into when something comes in our lives in that way? Do, do, do we have an attitude when we are presented with a major hurdle in life? Do we panic or pray? Do we approach it with a positive attitude or a negative attitude? Um, I, I want, uh, together with you today, to think about what I think is one of the most important attitudes that we can have uh, in life. And the truth is we all face life with different attitudes. Some people face life with an attitude of apprehension. You know, never quite sure what's going to happen. Others with an attitude of fear. Oh, it's all bound to go wrong, aren't they? You know, it's all bound to go. Others with an attitude of joy. Yes! You know, this, where you bounce out of bed in the morning like Tigger. You know, today, another day, great. Does anybody here do that? Oh, I'm quite like that. I'm quite, I'm quite like that in the morning. I like that. Lindsay doesn't like me for that, but I quite like that. Others, with an attitude of apathy. I, I had a really joyful moment last night. I can't remember what time it was, about seven, 7.30 or something, is 8 o'clock, something like that. Where's, where's my friend Bethany? I'm kind of trying to find you in the crowd. Is she here? Where are you? Where is she? Oh, there she is. Bethany, just stand up a moment. This is my friend Bethany. And do you know, last night she got engaged to Richard Turner, our youth worker. Isn't that great? so exciting. It's taken him about eight years to ask her, so I don't know when the wedding date is yet, but we're hoping it's a bit faster than that. But the thing is, the thing is, we all have an attitude, don't we? So everybody has an attitude, I wonder what your attitude is uh, in life. This is what the Bible says, 1 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, these three remain, faith, hope and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith in God. That will remain always. When, when we're in heaven, it we'll would just it'd be that perfect faith. Faith in God. Love, that's, that's what we should be known for, isn't it? Love, the, our love for one another. Our, our, the love that we as a church express to our wider community. The love that we have for the wider world. Love is such an important attitude. But here's the little one in the middle, hope. Hope. That's what I want to think about this morning, hope. A hope in our Heavenly Father. A hope. There are several well-known verses in the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have a everlasting life. And God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's a lovely verse. Here's another verse that people use a lot. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's another verse that lots of people like to quote. This is what God said, I've got the plans for you. What they forget is that six verses after that, God sends the whole people into exile for 70 years. Now, the truth is that God has hope for us and a plan for us and a future for us. What the people at the time did was they said, we choose not to trust in God. God says, okay, that's, you don't want to trust in me, that's fine. You go your own way. And they ended up 70 years of wandering. And after the 70 years of wandering, they went, oh, perhaps we should trust in God. And as soon as they did that, what did God do for them? He gave them plans for a good future. gave them hope and new beginnings. So that is what God has for you. God has a hope for you. It's a promise of a future with him. It's a promise of a goodness. And hope and a future always go together. The thing is that we use the word hope today in such a sort of wishy-washy way, don't we? We hope the weather's going to change. We do that, don't we, all the time. Do you know that? Every morning, just peel behind, what's it like today? We hope it's going to be a good day. We hope at some point the sky is going to run out of rain just for a couple of weeks. We hope. We have this hope in our hearts. We hope that the meal is going to be okay. You know, we hope that the evening is going to be fun. We hope. And we use it in a sort of a, a wishy way. I hope. But the Bible doesn't use the word hope in that way. It says. I have hope in my heavenly Father, therefore I have confidence. I have hope, therefore I am strong. I have hope, therefore I will not be afraid. I have hope, therefore I can walk into the future with confidence. Because I have a hope that is strong and secure and trustworthy in my heavenly Father. And that's the kind of gift that God wants to give to us. Real hope like that is like oxygen to the soul. When we have that in our lives, it helps us to breathe on a daily basis. It lifts us up. It gives us a boost. You can't really live without it. And it's don't be mistaken. It's not just about being an optimist. Lots of people mistake that. An optimist sees a glass As um, half full. A pessimist sees a glass as half empty. A Christian full of hope sees the glass firmly in the hand of God. And we'll trust in him because we have a confident, absolute hope in our Heavenly Father. Hope is when we see that God is in control. And when we see that, it changes everything. We see that all we need is hope in our Heavenly Father. It is true that we are living longer than we've ever lived before. More people are living longer. Never in human history have so many people had so much. And yet never before has there been so much depression. We need this hope. This hoping God changes everything. It changes your daily outlook. It changes the way in which you step outside your front door. It changes the way in which you embrace every problem that comes your way. Because we have this confident, strong and secure hope in our Heavenly Father. And Paul says in our reading today, he says this, he says, And our hope for you is firm, he says, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will share in our joy. Just as you share in the the sufferings, and Paul knew about sufferings, just as you share in the things that go wrong in your life, you will share in our comfort as well. Why? Because the comfort comes from our Heavenly Father. Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort, who will be there for you in every moment, because we have a strong and secure Hope in him. Verse 10 of our reading, he says, and he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope. On him we've set our hope. Despite his problems, Paul, despite his setbacks, despite being beaten and flogged and whipped and everything else, despite, he says, I have a confident hope in my heavenly father hope keeps us going of all the people that have been through so much I mean Paul had that amazing conversion now, now he's following Jesus so hey everything should be all right isn't that true I'm Jesus I'm following you now he's going on I'm, I'm letting people know about you I'm giving my life wholly over to you everything surely should go well He's flogged and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and left starving and naked and everything's, everything goes wrong. Right. And he, he says, but I've got this confident hope. I've got it in my very soul. No one can knock it out of me. There was something that, that transcended all of that that came to him in life. Hope keeps us going. Paul could easily have abandoned his faith. But he didn't because he had hope. Isaiah 40 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God's hope helps you keep going. I wonder what you're going through at the moment. I wonder what life is throwing at you. Finish this sentence in your heart. With hope in my Heavenly Father, I can cope with. With hope in my Heavenly Father, I can cope with. What is that blank that you would fill in there? Everybody's going through something. With hope in my Heavenly Father, I can cope with. If, if you named your husband and wife at that point, I'd like to see you afterwards. But, but with everything else, with hope in my Heavenly Father, I can cope with... You can make it through the day. You can make it through the month. You can make it through the year. Actually, you can make it through life and you don't have to just survive. With hope in your Heavenly Father, you will thrive. Paul says this in verse 8. He says, we're under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we've even despaired, we've despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope. On Him, despite anything that comes our way, on Him we've set our hope. Some of you today might even relate to those words and you know you need to set your hope on Him. Even Paul, I think, wondered, am I going to make it? But he says, yes, I will. With our Heavenly Father we have the strength to go through anything that comes our way I want to show you a clip from a film it's a great film it's called Freedom Writers anybody here seen it okay a few I've put the image of it up, because if you've not seen it, I want to encourage you to buy it. I looked it up this morning, it's £3 on Amazon. I don't get any commission on this at all, but it is an absolutely outstanding film. In 2007 it was it was filmed, you know, and it's probably got some famous people in it, but I've got no idea who they are. But it's a great film. It's a great film. And it is basically about this really posh teacher. And uh, she gets her first teaching job. And she goes into... One of the hardest, most difficult areas. And she ends up in a class where the whole class are at war with one another. The different ethnic groups are fighting one another, literally. And they are the sort of groups that carry guns and things around. And it's an amazing, it's based on a true story. That's why it's so good, I think. And um, uh, we're just at the point in the film, I'm not going to tell you too much because I don't want to spoil the film for you because I want you to watch it. But uh, we uh, are at the point in the film where she's worked with them in such a way, through personal humiliation, through terrible difficulty, to the point where she's saying, just maybe we could change. She's trying to change their thinking. And uh, so this last five minutes, let's just watch this. Thanks, Carl.
1: Okay, everybody, ready? Hey, Hi.
0: Hi.
1: Okay, guys, gals, listen up. This is what I want you to do. I want each of you to step forward and take one of these border bags, which contain the four books we're going to read this semester. All right. They're very special books, and they each remind me in some way of each of you. But, before you take the books, I want you to take one of these glasses of sparkling cider, and I want each of you to make a toast. We're each going to make a toast for change, and what that means is, from this moment on, every voice that told you you can't is silenced. Every reason that tells you things will never change disappears. And the person you were before this moment, that person's turn is over. Now it's your turn. Okay. Okay, you ready to get this party going on? Oh, <laughs> That's
0: what? What's
1: the deal Man, I have a boyfriend since I was like 11, you know? I
3: believe <laughs> Shut up.
1: Okay, well, I was always the person I was going to get pregnant before I turned 16 and drop out.
0: Like my mom.
3: Ain't gonna happen.
1: Nobody ever listens to a teenager. Everybody thinks you should be happy just because you're young. They don't see the wars that we fight every single day. And one day my war will end. And I will not die. And I will not tolerate abuse from anyone.
0: I ain't
2: my mom's kicked me out when I got jumped into the gang life.
3: But I'd like her to see me graduate. I'd like to be 18. Miss G. Carry something from my diary? That'd be great. Who's he? And he's been with us since freshman year, fool.
1: What's it?
3: The summer was the worst summer in my short 14 years of life. It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. As if she were gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets and told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up at the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on. No money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year some old shoes, and no new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at. Instead, I'm greeted by a couple of friends who are in my English class last year. And it hits me, Mrs. Gildwell, my crazy English teacher from last year, is the only person that made me think of hope. Talking with friends about last year's English and our trips, I began to feel better. I received my schedule and the first teacher is Mrs. Gildwell, room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home.
2: So what's so amazing about that is that it's it's based on a true story is that the different culture groups in that class literally were at war with one another. And uh, that's a very special moment when they start embracing one another. But the thing is this, is someone gave them hope. Hope. Hope for the future. Hope that they see something positive in somebody else. And I, I can't tell you how much our heavenly father sees in you you might think oh you know i'm wretched and terrible and i've done this not me obviously you you know i hope you don't think that about me all the time (laughs) but just you know would does god really have a hope and a future for me is god really bothered with my life yes he is Yes, he is bothered with the pain and the trouble and the sorrow you're going through at the moment. Yes, he is absolutely bothered with the thing that keeps you awake at night. Yes, he's absolutely there when you wake at four in the morning and you toss and you turn and you don't know what to do. God loves you and he has a hope and a future for you. And hope doesn't just keep us going, but hope brings us joy. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to get the hope, you know. It's available to us now. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 1.3, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. It, you know, uh, the word hope in the New Testament, it occurs once before the resurrection of Jesus. After the resurrection of Jesus, it occurs 70 times. I'll just repeat that, once before the resurrection, 70 times after the resurrection. Can anybody work out where hope comes from? It doesn't take a great brain to do that, does it? It comes from that place of the resurrection of Christ. And therefore, if it comes from that, hope is available to you and me today because all we need to do is say yes to Christ in our lives to trust in the cross, the cross, the place where he demonstrated that pain and sorrow and loss can be changed into life and joy and second chances. God understands where we are. He not only understands, but he transforms our pain. He says, "He says, I'll meet you in that place of the cross, whatever that place of the cross is in your life at that moment. He says, and it's that from that place that resurrection hope comes. It's from that place that new life is offered. It's from that place that you get a second chance. It's from that place. Allow me into that place of difficulty and pain and sorrow in your life, and I will lift you up. That's what he says. And you will soar on wings like eagles if you would just trust in me. 2 Corinthians 1.10, he says he's delivered us from such a deadly peril. So on him we've set our hope. On him we've set our hope. I came across this uh, reading in Lamentations, which of course I read every week, but I came across this reading in Lamentations. And it says this, and you may may um, relate to some of this. I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. my soul is downcast within me. Anybody ever been there? Feel that? Maybe you're there right now. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to hope in God. I love that last song we sang. I sort don't know what it's called, but anyway, the last song we sang. I think, uh, some of the songs we sing, just sometimes every now and again, you know, you just look at the words, don't you? Maybe I'm the only one that, I look at the words and I think, what is that? Does anybody here ever think that? You think, what is that song? <laughs> Tom's turning around now. Don't confess now while he's turning around. But you do, you look at anything. and you think, what are those? I, can't, I don't know if I can sing that. What does that mean? But this one this morning, I think all the songs this morning actually. I love that children's song that, John Murphy's written. John and Georgie. But that last one we sang, whoever wrote it, it's got depth to it. It's got scripture in it. It's rich and full of hope and promise and new beginnings. And that's what Jesus says he offers to us. If we put our trust in him. Hope begins today, friends. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. It's hope that will enable Someone whose job seems in jeopardy because you're ill or you've not been reaching your targets. It's hope that will enable you, hope in your Heavenly Father that will enable you to find from that place of difficulty the resurrection hope and purpose for a new future. It's hope in your Heavenly Father that will enable someone who's been victimized not only to find healing in their life but the ability to help someone else perhaps who's been victimized. It's a hope that enables someone who's just not sure about the future. You're not sure where life is headed. But you put your hand in the hand of your Heavenly Father and He'll walk you step by step into what He's calling you to. It's hope that enables you to look to the future even when you've sat down across the desk from the doctor and they've looked you in the eye and said it's not good news. It's hope in your Heavenly Father that will see you through. The thing is this, we all need hope. And hope is built on trust and truth, and the trust is in our Heavenly Father, and the truth is that's where resurrection hope ultimately comes from. Sometimes we have no idea what God is doing in our lives, but this is what we can do. We can say, despite whatever's going on in life, I'm going to trust in you, my Heavenly Father. Paul says our hope is firm. Just as you share in our hardships, share in the hope we have, because it's in that place that God's comfort comes into our lives. My hope, Paul says, is sure that God will deliver me. He will set my feet on firm ground. He will give me Resurrection, And he will do the same for you and the same for me. All we have to do is put our hope in him. And these three remain, faith, hope and love. And hope in your heavenly father will change your every day. From a cross day to a resurrection day. From a good Friday to an Easter Sunday every day, if our hope is firmly in our heavenly Father.